0: Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzovino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. I want you to turn in your Bibles to the book of James, the first chapter. We will continue our study on prayer. And the first chapter of the book of James, just find your place there, we'll get to it in a minute. We've been talking about the prayer of petition. The prayer of petition. Actually, we have taken the subject of prayer, and we've broken it down into certain divisions. Division one being prayer that changes things, circumstances, situations, and we broke that down into four subdivisions, number one being the prayer petition and supplication otherwise known as the prayer of faith, the prayer of agreement, the prayer of binding and loosing, and the prayer of intercession. Number two, we said our second division would be worship, praise, and thanksgiving, and our third division would be the prayer of consecration and dedication. Well, we spent some time on the prayer of supplication, petition and supplication, And I don't have a release in my spirit to get off of it just, you know, as of yet. And so we're going to pick it up right there. And what I want to reiterate just a few points that we made in our previous lessons. Number one was the fact that the word of faith is what causes prayer to work. The word of faith. ...is what causes prayer to work. In other words, prayer does not cause faith to work. We said faith causes prayer to work. Also, we said that we were going to break these down... ...so that we can, you know, just clarify them or for teaching purpose, purposes. But actually, when you pray the prayer, petition and supplication you'll find that you're going to use more than one prayer. These prayers will work together, but we are just breaking them down, you know, so that we can define them, we can separate them, we can analyze them, and we can see how prayer works. So, just remember those two things as we go on. We said, faith is what makes prayer work. Prayer does not make faith work. Let me explain just or expound a minute on that. Because I think sometimes, you know, you look at people and they say, well, that's a good statement, but, you know, what do you mean by it? Now, remember, when I was... I remember when I was young I prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed That one day I can go to heaven I did I prayed and 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 I used to I remember I used to lay in bed in fear Fear of dying and going to hell And I'd lay there in bed And and you know And I'd say Dear Father, dear God I was used to praying You know, our Father So I always would pray You know, Father I don't want to go to hell And I just pray that You know, one day You'd count me worthy enough of your kingdom That's how I prayed. I mean, you know, it might have been a very unscriptural prayer, but it was, at least it was all I knew. That's all I knew to pray. Well, I prayed that prayer every single night. I prayed it every night for years. I remember my brother was in Vietnam. I prayed for him every night. I was unsaved. I didn't know Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. I prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. Every night I prayed. I prayed that I'd most, you know, first and foremost was that I'd go to heaven. Because I did not want to go to hell. And so I prayed that way. You know, that prayer never worked. Because I prayed it day after 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 day I mean, for like, I don't know how many years, 20 years. I prayed it. I mean, I prayed it every night. I did not want to go to hell. I mean, to tell you right now. But you know, as long as I just kept praying that prayer, it didn't do me any good. One day, somebody came along and told me that the Word of God says you can know that you can have salvation. And they preached to me the Word of Faith. And told me you can be born again and know for sure that you are going to heaven. I mean to tell you, you never saw anybody? His eyes get so big in all your life. I said, is that right? Tell me how. And he spoke to me the word of faith. And when I heard the word of faith, faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word, faith lauds itself into my spirit. And I prayed another prayer. But it wasn't, Lord, I pray that I can go to heaven. I said, Father... In the name of Jesus Christ, I come to you as a sinner. I open the door of my heart. I receive Jesus as my Savior. I receive Him as my Lord. And I know I'm born again. Bless God. Thank you, Father. I am saved in Jesus' name. I never pray that other prayer again. I pray that one day I could make it to heaven. never prayed it again. See, that prayer didn't make faith work. I did not get saved as long as I was praying that prayer. But when I heard the Word and got faith, my faith made the prayer that I prayed on that night work. And it worked. That's what I mean when I say faith makes prayer work. Prayer doesn't make faith work. Amen. Do you see that? Okay. We need to understand that and we need to know that. Now, actually, if we were to define the um, prayer of petition, we can say that we are taking to the Father a petition into His presence and we are presenting to Him His word in our petition Believing that when we present that petition to Him, it's granted to us. That's the prayer petition. I go into the presence of the Father with the Word and with my formal request. I take my formal request. I take in His Word. I stand in His presence. I make my request. I show Him His Word. His Word says it won't come back void, but it will accomplish that which He pleases, prosper where He sent it. And then I walk away from the throne believing that my petition was granted unto me. And we call that the prayer of petition. But now listen, it doesn't stop there. When you get to that place in prayer, um, we need to understand and know that it's faith that makes that prayer work. You've prayed now, but it's faith that takes over at this point. There's never been a problem with the child of God receiving from His heavenly Father. There's been a problem, I believe I left off last time by saying there's been a problem getting that what you have received in the Spirit into the natural realm or manifesting it into this natural realm. Because people thought that prayer was doing the work and not faith. Faith was doing the work. See? The prayer was just getting your Father's attention and coming to Him according to His purpose and plan of prayer. Once you've got His attention, and once you have secured your grant from Him, then it's time to allow faith to work. See? And people think that it ends right there, it stops right there, and it doesn't stop right there. Bless God, you just started to fight the good fight of faith. That's when the fight starts, right there. After you've received it in the spirit realm. And so you've gotten to that place, you know, and I I think we need to go over some Steps. And I'm going to outline, give to you an outline of certain steps to follow so that we can have our prayers answered. Now remember something also. We are talking about you getting an answer, uh, you know, for your own prayer. We're not talking about praying for somebody else. We're not talking about you going into prayer for your neighbor or for somebody else yet. We're going to get into that. That's in the prayer of agreement. That's in the prayer of intercession. It can involve binding and loosing. This prayer petition can involve binding, binding and loosing. We'll talk about that here in a minute. It can involve, you know, binding and loosing certain things that are, that are it's hindering your prayer from being answered. So, let's outline it. I want you to write these down first of all and then we're going to expound on them. Step number one, certain steps to follow in order to receive your prayer answered. Step number one is to decide what you want from God. Decide what you want from God. Decide what you want. Step number two is to meditate the scriptures that promise you the answer. Meditate the scriptures that promise you your answer. Step number three... Step number three, ask the Father in the name of Jesus. Ask the Father in the name of Jesus. Asking the Father, ask Him in the name of Jesus. Step number four, and really this is about as far as we've, we went with it, believe your petition is granted or believe you receive. That's a step involved in prayer the prayer petition. Believe that you receive. But it doesn't stop there at number four. See, there's more to it than just that. Now, this next step is very important. Refuse to doubt. Refuse to doubt. You could put next to that doubt, waver, faint, lose heart. Refuse to doubt. Absolutely refuse to doubt. See, once you believe you received, I said the battle starts. You start fighting the good fight of faith. Actually, it's a rest of faith if you understand it. The fight is going to be with your senses. Your senses are, are going to want to contradict what you've prayed and asked the Father for. Every outward sign and symptom is going to dictate to you that you did not get your prayer answered. That's when you need to learn how to refuse to doubt. Okay, once you refuse to doubt, you've got to refuse to doubt... Then also, step number six, you have to continue to meditate. Continue to meditate the scriptures. Continue to meditate the same scriptures. Continue to meditate the scriptures. And then the last step is to offer thanksgiving. Offer thanksgiving. Now, I gave them to you now because sometimes we get started on these things and we don't get time to get through all of them. And I don't think we're going to get through all of them tonight. But this way you have an outline, you know, before you anyhow, so that you can go over them and study them. Now, let's look at our scripture in James, the first chapter. Let's start with verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this. Know it. Whenever when, when you see the Bible says knowing something, it would do you good to know it, to learn it, and to know it. He's talking about temptations, trials, circumstances, tribulations that come against us in life. And whenever they come your way, you are to count them all joy, knowing this. Now, if you didn't know this, you couldn't count it joy, if you didn't know this. But if you know this, when they come, you can fulfill God's word by counting it joy. Knowing that the trying of your faith works patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith. But let him ask in faith. Asking is the prayer part. The faith part takes over after you ask. Are you listening? Asking is the prayer part. You've come to the place of asking, and most Christians make it that far. But when it gets to the faith part, that's where they faint and lose heart. The faith part takes over after you've asked and released that faith and it starts to work for you. You've released your faith and it begins to bring in, uh, bring in those things, uh, the unrealities of hope. They, he begins the, your faith begins to bring them into the realm of reality. Faith is the substance of what you hope for, the title deed or the evidence of what you don't see. Even though you don't see it yet, faith begins its operation. It's activated in the spirit realm. To bring into fruition that which you've desired or that which you've asked for. Your petition. Okay. Now he says, if you lack wisdom, ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and braideth not. But ask in faith. Now I want to reemphasize this. He's talking about trials and circumstances of life that are coming against you that you need to get out of. So he's saying here, the Father. You may have to seek His so that you know exactly what to pray or how to pray. Sometimes I think people are defeated in their prayer life because they're asking for this when they should have been asking for that. Because you see, it seems like we should have asked for this, it'll take care of that problem. But if you'd have sought God on the the issue, He'd have said, ask for this and that'll take care of the whole thing. That'll take care of the whole issue. And that's why sometimes we need to understand, and I'll explain that in a minute, how or what we should be praying for by seeking the face of God and His wisdom as to how to deal with each circumstance of our life. Okay? Ask in faith. Ask God for the wisdom, but let Him ask in faith without wavering. Now, notice this. There's actually three steps involved in verse 5. If any of you... I'm sorry, verse verse 6. But let him ask in faith. The word ask... He's talking about prayer. See, that's the asking part. I ask you, Father, for... That's your that's your prayer part. In faith, that's your faith part. Believing that you receive, that it's granted part. Nothing, wavering, refusing to doubt part. Do you see that? Doubt, waver, faint, lose heart, turn coward. Asking is the prayer part. Faith is the believing you receive part, or it's granted to you part. And then without wavering is the refusing to doubt or to move one inch off the word that you have prayed. Part. Okay? For he that wavereth is like the wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. Notice it's after he's asked in faith if he wavers. See, the wavering doesn't come before the asking. You ask in faith, it's granted to you, but if you waver after you've asked, then you won't receive anything of the Lord. Are you seeing what he's saying here? Okay, let not that man think, don't even think that you're going to get anything from the Lord. Okay, now, here's what he's actually trying to bring to our attention. We need to be decisive when it comes to what we need and want from God. You can't be indecisive. One moment you ask for this, and, and next moment, well, I didn't really mean that, I wanted this. And then it seems like it's not working, and then, well, it, I, I, you know, let's ask this way. And, and, and then you pray your prayer of faith again, and then you say, well, maybe it didn't work, that. let's pray this way. No, see, God doesn't want that wishy-washy business. You, it would do you good to realize that before you ever pray your prayer of faith, it would be good to prepare your ground. A lot of Christians are getting further and further and further and further away from the thing that they need and desire from God because they are praying without preparing the heart. It's like the sower going out to sow the seed before he turns over the soil and prepares the land. And you know as well as I do that Jesus said, the person that does that is an easy prey for the devil to come and pluck up that seed and to destroy and to choke that seed out. No, it would do us good to understand the operation of the Word in the heart of the believer and know this, prepare, and make sure that you are decisive, decisive in what you want, indecision that has no place in God. Let me give you an example. When you send your child to the grocery store, you don't just say, you know, go down there and buy me some groceries. You get specific. The Father wants you to be specific in what you want. He has a storehouse that's filled with all the things you need. But you don't send your child down to the grocery store and just say, buy me, a, you know, some groceries. You say, go down there and buy me a loaf of bread, bottle of milk, and a loaf of bread or whatever you need. You get very specific with your children and you tell them exactly what you want. Now, the father, even though he knows what we need, he still says, ask. Ask me for what you need. Now, when you ask for what you need, what you're actually doing is... Fixing the landmark of your life When I ask him for a red car And I'm just using things Don't get off on Start saying he's talking about cars If you had a need of a red car And go, hey, you would to have a red car And uh, you know If somehow it works out That you get a blue one You'd say Nope that's not the one for me That's not the one for me That's not what I asked him for I asked him for a red one Let it maybe be a little bit different If I ask him for a hundred dollars And I only get ninety five I'd say nope that's not what I asked for I asked for a hundred. Someone says, well, didn't he meet the need? Met ninety-five. I I don't care. Would you ask the father for a hundred? You're supposed to get a hundred. The father is not cheap. Am I right? If you ask him for a hundred, then get a hundred. Don't be satisfied with ninety-nine. Are you hearing me? Don't be satisfied with ninety-nine. You say, why? There's principle involved. See, the father does not back off his word. Let me say this. The father does not want you to back off your word. The Bible says that that a sign of a spiritual giant is a person that swears to his own hurt and changes not. When you put your word out, my friend, he says, you see to it that you honor that word that you put out. Is that right? Do you think the father put out his word and said, ask anything, and then he's going to come up short five dollars? No, he put up his, when he put out his word and told you that you can have what you ask for and you've asked for a certain thing, he wants you to be decisive. He wants you to, to, to hold your guns. He wants you to stand upon the word. He, don't, he wants you to be immovable about what you've asked for. Be decisive about what you asked for and don't move off of what you asked him for. If you're asking for a thousand, you need a thousand, whatever it is, you say, Father God, I believe your word is so, and I, I'm standing upon your word, or I believe I've received this thousand dollars, whatever it is, you don't, you're not satisfied with nine hundred. You believe that you've received a thousand. You stand upon the word. And you hold true to that word. Uh, let me give you a better example along the area of finances. When it comes to finances... Uh, we need to be decisive in our praying. Sometimes this is, this is a big trial and you know, it brings a lot of situations and circumstances to people's lives. It seems in the realm of finances, uh, a lot of people have been destroyed because of lack of knowledge. I think here's where the problem lies. People have the idea that being financially prosperous Just means asking the Father for a certain amount that you need at a given time. So consequently, they begin to use their faith by asking the Father to meet certain needs. Now here, James is saying, be decisive and ask the Father for wisdom in the area that you're praying about. If a certain trial comes up in your life and it's dealing in the area of finances, it may not be just you're asking for $100 that's going to meet your need. So you ask for a hundred dollars and you get your need met and then you walk off and your faith isn't working for you. And then before you know it, next week you've got to ask for another hundred dollars. And you ask for that hundred dollars and praise God, you learn how to get it. But you go back another week and you need two hundred dollars and then you go to next week. And it's just one endless cycle. One after another, one after another. Just, well, I just keep asking Him and keep receiving. And asking Him and keep receiving. Well, that's all right at the beginning. But the Father wants you to learn how to operate in His laws of prosperity. It may be that you don't need to ask Him for the hundred dollars. It may be you need to ask Him for the wisdom of operating in His laws of prosperity so that when you get that wisdom and understand how to do it, you won't be needing to ask Him for the hundred dollars all the time. You'll just be thanking Him that the hundred dollars is always flowing into your bosom because it's a continual cycle. Now, I'd rather have a cycle like this. Whenever a need comes, all i got to do is say, I thank Thee, dear Father God, that we've settled this fact already, that, bless God, You meet every one of my needs according to the riches of the glory of Christ Jesus, because I am operating and flowing with Your laws of prosperity. And so we remove ourselves from that place, and we're always operating in defeat to get out of a hole, in defeat to get out of a hole, in defeat to get out of a hole. That's operating backwards. So really what that fellow needed he should have been more decisive, was not the $100, but the wisdom and the, and the knowledge and the ability of God concerning the laws of prosperity. Now, wouldn't that be a lot better to start appropriating that? Okay. So, he kept asking for the $100 and it was working for him, but now he sees that there's a higher level of faith in this area that I begin to uh, operate with the Father in His laws of prosperity. And so, a stream. of... Of, of of finances begins to come in and flow because there's a stream or a flow of giving. See, people think, well, oh boy, you guys are just you know talking about that selfishness business. I'm gonna tell you something right now. That's the least selfish thing in the world because the reason why you're receiving, uh, beloved, is because you are abundantly giving. See, the devil will come at you against that word. I'm going to show you how he tries to destroy the word. He comes at you to make you think. Who are you asking the Father for a car that you need? Who are you, and who do you think you are asking the Father to pay that bill or to meet that hundred dollar need that you have? Who do you think you are? And you, you know, if you listen to him long enough, you get condemned. Well, I'll tell you who I am, Mister Devil. I am a giver. I am a tither. I am operating the laws of prosperity. And the Lord said, if I give, it's given unto me good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, men will pour into my bosom. And the more that gets poured into my bosom, devil, I want you to know the less that gets poured into your bosom, and the more that goes into the gospel, and the less that goes into your operation of your filth upon the face of this earth, and the gospel gets spread, and your pornography and all the things that uh, pertain to your kingdom, they get destroyed. So, Father, I thank you that I'll receive it in Jesus' name. And then flow with it. Give it out to the gospel. Do you see what I'm saying? Someone got on me for saying that. Said, well, I don't believe how. You can preach like that, brother. I'll tell you something right now. If, if we le- took the message the way they preached that message, there wouldn't be one evangelist or missionary out on a field today that wouldn't be starving to death. I have heard people preach on the radio, against prosperity, against believing God for finances, and as soon as the end of the program came, we need your money. I said, sir, you just told them that they shouldn't have any. How are they going to give it to you? And if you don't send your money in, we're going off the air. Praise God. Forgive me, Lord. Thank you, well, that's how they go off the air. Let me put it to you like that. No, we're just, uh, we're, we are cooperating with the Father's laws in the earth. And we're not going to be condemned about it. You know where prosperity came from? The wealthiest person I know, the Father God. Owns all the cattle on a thousand hills. All the silver and gold that's in the earth. Knows where all the oil's at. Knows where everything's at in the earth. He says, I put it there for my children, not for the devil. Who in the world ever taught this, this lie that the, that the money and, and the finances of the earth are for Satan and his kingdom? When I told that fellow this, I said, Do you see that if you don't want to be prosperous, that means the devil's kids are prosperous. That means his kingdom will be promoted in the earth and propagated. Now, do you want that? And thought about it and said, Well, I guess no, I don't want that. I said, Well, how in the world are you going to help that evangelist reach those people and that missionary feed those children if you aren't prosperous to give him the money? He says, boy, you made your point. I said, thank you. Okay, but getting back to this, be decisive when you're asking the Father for something. You need to know exactly what you want. In other words, you, know how, you have to know how to pray. In the area of healing, sometimes I think instead of just, just praying, um, you know, a certain way or just saying, oh, Father God, I believe I receive healing in Jesus' name, and that's good to do that, I think we should get quiet before the Lord and find out before we ever pray how we should praise because sometimes I'll just sit back and if something happens and uh, the Father will whisper you know the Spirit of God will whisper to us inside our spirits and instead of just you know claiming a, a scripture um, he'll whisper and say bind this or that now I'm talking about my own individual life and my family when I say your individual it includes you and if you have younger children under your protection and care and your wife okay that's your family All these things will work for every individual family. We have not started to intercede for others yet or to pray for others yet. We're only talking about you for you. Okay? And so I'll get before the Father and He'll say, you know, before I ever pray, 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 what kind of prayer I should pray. So sometimes it'll just be like binding a certain thing. And i say, now you foul spirit that's come against my family to do such and such and such and such. I bind you and break your power in Jesus' name. Then I say, now, Father, I receive, see. Then you go on. So you're really using more than one prayer. But step number one is be decisive. What, you know, the thing you want from God. Know exactly what it is you need. If you need the wisdom uh, before you pray, ask Him for it. Knowing that Jesus has already made unto us wisdom. But praise God, He's still here. We have the right to ask for, ask wisdom in any... A circumstance or trial that would come your way that you may not know, you know, how to deal with it. So, step number one is to ask, with, or to be decisive about what you're asking for. Be definite. Step number two here's why I want to spend my time. We may get by it, we may not. Meditate the scriptures that promise you the answer. This is probably if I were to point out the most important step now you try to say each step is each step is important in itself but this is the most i would say important step involved we need to know all that's in every everything that's in every step all the steps but we need to know and learn how to meditate on the scriptures that promise you the answer this is where your foundation is built the foundation of your faith if you don't have a foundation you will have a prayer life built on sand the sand of sense knowledge and mental ascent but if you meditate the scriptures find the scriptures knowing the will of god and get those scriptures into your innermost being, then you will build a solid foundation for your next steps. So, step two is to meditate the word. Now you remember, Joshua 1.8 says, This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. That thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. Then thou shalt make thy way prosperous. Then thou shalt have good success. You want to have good success in your prayer life, don't you? Okay, if we want to have good success in our prayer life, then we've got to follow the instructions of the Word. We are to meditate in the Word day and night. Number one, your reason for meditating the Word uh, that promises us the answer is that the Word is God's revelation to man. The Word of God is God's revelation to us. The Word reveals to us His will concerning your situation. The Word reveals to us His plan of redemption. The Word reveals to us His entire program of the salvation of man. The entire program, is revealed unto us in the Word. I think people have lost insight as to the integrity of the Word of God. The Word reveals to us the specific will of God concerning our situation. If I'm not going to meditate the Word, I will not have the mind of Christ or the mind of God concerning my situation. Don't belittle the Word of God. And when I say meditate the Word, I'm not talking about from somebody else. I'm talking about you opening up your Bible, you finding every scripture that promises you the answer, you being satisfied within your spirit that it's promised to you in the Word. You have no business praying for something that's not promised to you in the Word of God. The Father never promised you a thousand Cadillacs. Did He? And you got no business praying for it you got to pray for what He's already promised you in His Word. Now, I mean, there could not be a better foundation for your faith than this. I know that it's the will of the Father to do such and such for me. Now that I know it's His will to do it for me, I can go boldly to Him and request it of Him because He wants to do it for me. That's a foundation for my faith. Now, not only is it important to know, that was number one, number two, number one was we need to know that it's God revealing Himself to us through His Word. But number two, the Father works through His Word. The Father works through His Word. The reason why you should meditate the Word day and night is because the Father works through His Word. Look at Hebrews 11, chapter and verse 3 for a minute. The Father works through His Word. His will is made known unto us through His Word. In other words, He reveals Himself and is programmed to us through His Word. And now He works through His Word. Satan has bitterly and subtly endeavoured to attack the word of God so that his God's people would be blinded to his will, blinded to his program, blinded to his operations, spiritual laws, appropriations of his promises. That is his purpose. That Satan's reason for existing, I believe, is to come against God's people and to destroy the Word of God from their lives. His attack is basically on the Word, which we're going to see. Now, here in the Hebrews 11 chapter and verse 3, we see how the Father works through His Word. In the beginning, we find out, verse 3 tells us, we understand that the worlds, that by faith... The worlds were framed by the what? How does He work? How did all the worlds come into being, come into existence? We understand that by faith, the worlds were framed by the Word of God. Okay. God works through His Word. I won't take time to elaborate. Number two is found in James 1.18. Of His own will begat He us through the Word. Or gave He birth to us through the Word. God works through His Word. His program involves the Word. The Word is involved in His program. And we found out that by the Word, the worlds were framed. By the Word, we find out that we've been born again. First Peter 1.23 says... Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the Word of God. Word of God. So we find out again that God works through His Word. Now, not only are the worlds frame, not only have we been born again, but also everything we need to, to be sustained in life spiritually and mentally and physically comes through the Word. Jesus declared in Matthew 4.4, 4, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every what? Word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Now look how he's exalting the Word. The Word, the Word. Jesus said, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my Word will not pass away. We contact Him with the Word, through the Word. He contacts and reveals Himself to us through the Word. We've been regenerated by the Word, born again by the Word, sustained by the Word. Also, it is God which is at work within you. How? Through the Word. Remember, Colossians 3.16 says, Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Again, that's through the Word. So it's important that we understand that God deals with us and works in us and through us by His Word. His Word is involved in everything that He does. Now, I remember reading an article. Someone said, I don't want to name them, but someone said, these people that call themselves faith people have taken the Word and made it God. they, They accused us of taking the Word and making it God. I was embarrassed for them. I blushed for them. I mean a full gospel. Born again, spirit-filled, full gospel, minister, actually had, I don't want to say, well, let's just say that he had the nerve to say it, but he said it, that people have made, in this faith movement, have taken the Word and made it God. I wouldn't want to be an individual that would want to reveal my ignorance like that. Did you ever read John 1.1? Is that in the New Testament? That says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was made anything that was made... All things are made by Him. The Logos, the living Word of God. The Word is God. And did you ever read the 138th Psalm, verse 2, that says, He has magnified the Word above all His name. Isn't that something that we have made the Word to be God? I said, Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God, we've done it. That's right, because the Word is God, isn't it? It's not the Word God. Haven't we been taught through the Word that it's God? Jesus, the Logos, is uh, the living Word. But the written word unveils to us the living, living word. God and His Word are one. My Father and I are one. Jesus said, and Jesus is the Word, the Logos made flesh. For the life of me, I never understand it. But praise God. I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to make statements like that. I, I think when you get into that, what you, what you do, you join in with the devil uh, in his attack against the Word of God. Now I want to show you something that. I believe, will help us in our understanding God's plan and operation in the earth by His Word. Satan, down to... Since Jesus Christ came, the spoken Word to the earth. Remember in Hebrews 1, 1, where it says that God at sundry times and in diverse manners spake unto the the fathers by the prophets hath in His last days spoken unto us, spoken unto us by His Son. Okay? Uh, and whom He has appointed heir of all things, by whom all the worlds were made. See, it's all talking about the Word again. Who being the brightness of His glory and the express image of His person, and upholding all things by the Word of His power, when He hath purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the Majesty on high, and obtained a name more excellent than any of the angels. Talking about the Word. Jesus is the Word. Well, He spoke to us when Jesus came, He spoke to us the Word. Jesus was the Word made flesh, but the words that Jesus spoke were the words of the Father that He spoke to give to us the living Word. At that time, there wasn't the written Word. There was just the living Word that we live by called the New Testament that He spoke. Now, every period of spiritual decline or declension, however you want to say it, since... The days of Christ has been the direct results of a low estimation or a low conception of the Word of God. Ever since Jesus was raised up from the dead, we can look at over every period of time, and when we see Christianity beginning its decline, we find that each age that went by Age after age after age, that people begin to have a, a low esteem or a low conception of the Word of God. And you take the time or the period before the Reformation, at least a thousand years before the Reformation, the Word, we, we, called the Dark Ages, the Word of God was sealed up so that men could not have the Word of God to read and to study. Well, here we see Satan has. Ways an all-out war or an all-out attack against the Word of God. Now, he started uh, with the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus came to the earth to reveal to us the Word, the truth. He came from the Father to give us a revelation of the Father through the Word. The words that he spoke contained spirit and life. Satan knew that he had to destroy this man because the words that he was speaking was shaken Judaism to its foundation turning the world upside down and bringing down the Roman Empire. So he felt, I've got to destroy this man because of the words that he's speaking. Seemingly, on, on the day that Jesus was hung on Calvary, Satan, in his own mind, thought he had won the, the battle. He destroyed the man that was speaking the words. Well... On the day of Pentecost, he began to look around and see that there was not just one speaking the word now, but there were a hundred and twenty that were born again of the same spirit, filled with that spirit, speaking in the tongues, and boldly proclaiming and speaking the same word that the one that he got crucified upon Calvary's cross. So the spoken word seemingly was destroyed when Jesus was, but bless God, Satan saw a picture that he did not like when, the, when all those hundred and twenty were born again and they spoke the word. So again, we have the spoken word. So Satan again got all his associates together, got a council meeting together, planned their strategy and said, we're now going to destroy these people that are speaking the word. So he set individuals by demon spirits in positions of authority to destroy those that spoke this word, or spoke of this way. They were tortured and they were martyred, one by one, but Satan found something out. Even though he began to torture them, and they were dying by martyrdom, he could not kill them fast enough, and the word was mightily growing and prevailing. So mightily grew the word and prevailed. And it kept growing and growing and growing and going. He was at his wit's end. He didn't know what to do. So again he calls his associates in together. His cohorts. Powers and principalities and the rulers and the spirits of wickedness. He says come on boys. We've got to get our thinking together. So he comes up with another plan. This plan. Became very Successful. We are going to devise a plan that will not just destroy the people that are preaching the word and kill the people that are preaching the word, but we are going to devise a plan that will utterly make the word of God powerless and ineffective in the lives of those that hear it. So in other words, I am going to attack the word, Satan said, and I'm going to get a hold of that word and twist the word and make the word so fouled up that people, when they receive it, will not receive the power of that word. That was his plan. I want to tell you something, friends. 1,000 years, there was a period of time. 1,000, listen, 1,000 years before the Reformation The Word of God was not in control in Christian circles. The Word of God was locked up. It was bound up in monasteries and in a language that men and women could not understand. The common people could not understand. They translated it into, into the Latin language. They got a hold of the Bibles and put them away. And all these things that took place was Satan's efforts To destroy the Word of God and not allow people to grab a hold of that Word. He was successful. Why do you think it's called the Dark Ages? Because the Word giveth what? Light. There was no Word. God couldn't contact His people. They couldn't grab a hold of the light. The blind were leading the blind and they were falling into ditches. Oh, what religion does the man the number one way that man goes to hell today is religion. Religion. Well, seemingly Satan in his efforts was successful in destroying the word out of the lives of people. See, he couldn't destroy the people fast enough so he went after the word. Well, then came the Reformation and certain men had their eyes open and they they received glimpses of light. Rays of light began to shine through into their minds and dawn upon their hearts. And they got those glimpses of light. They looked at the Scriptures. These were men in positions of authority. And finally came the Protestant movement. They began to protest. Men, the just, shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. One reformer here, one reformer there, one reformer here. And bless God, the light was beginning to shine. They were catching a hold of the light of God's Word. They began to rebel against tradition, rebel against religion, rebel against all, you know, all that Satan has designed were his ruling religious spirits to come against the Word of God. And little by little by little by little, the light of God's Word began to, you know, filter into the, into the body. Now listen. Satan, when he saw what was taking place, was devastated. He figures, okay, I've got to go and get another dart. He's already had one dart. He tried to torture them. He had another dart. He tried to martyr them. He had another dart. You see, he began to... To hide the, the word and put it away in monasteries and, and make it so that only the theologians and the intellectuals they're the only ones that can understand the Bible. So certainly, you know, you should have a Bible. I remember going to church, man. I went to church. I sat down there and and they, and they said the mass and I sat there and the listened. It was all in Latin. And I mean, I am not saying anything against. It. I just I didn't know what was said. I didn't know a word that they said. And I, I I mean, I just walk out and just get it out of obedience. But I said I don't know what he's saying. I don't understand the word that he said. And the word was locked up. It was locked up in monasteries. It was locked up. This was another, we think a fiery dart something coming at you. Beloved, like, this was another fiery dart in Satan's, you know, weaponry where he was going to come against the word itself by using this, this method of putting away the word of God, intellectualizing it, and telling the common people that you don't have the intelligence to study that Bible. And it worked for over a thousand years. Well, he was devastated when these reformers, when they began to receive that light, Satan got upset. So what he did was, he got his associates together again, his cohorts. And he said, we are going to devise another plan. They've got the word now. It got back out now. But what we are going to do... He could not lock it away in a monastery. He could not lock the word away. You see, every time where it seems like Satan is gaining the victory, the Spirit of God slowly keeps on touching the hearts of men and a- endeavoring to get across to them with these glimpses and rays of light. Well, here's what took place. Satan got his cohorts together. And they said, what we're going to do, since we can't lock this word away in monasteries, what we are going to do, we are going to take the word and lock it up in creeds and in doctrines. And that's exactly what his next dart was designed to do. Take the word and begin to lock it away in creeds, doctrines, and traditions. So now, we have the breakaway, people saying they're walking in out of the word, and the first thing that happens, you've got Baptists, Protestants, Methodists, this ones, that ones, the other ones, this, his plan seemingly worked again. That dart worked. They got together and they devised a strategic plan, a subtle plan whereby they would stop the effects of the Word and make it powerless in the assembly, you know, just the the everyday assembly in the cities. And again, traditions, doctrines, put the Word away again, locked it up so that man couldn't get to it. God again was left on the outside, man on the inside, never coming together because His Word is left out. Are you ready for this next step? There happened to be a few... Of those, like E.W. Kenyon, F.F. Bosworth, Kenneth E. Higgin, T.L. Osborne, and uh, many, many more that I could name, Oral Roberts, that took a hold of the light that these Reformers had, and they began to follow up on their success and find out just what they had. And so consequently, they began to receive the same light and then begin to build upon that which was revealed to them. And I mean to tell you, when Satan found out that somebody was going to stand against persecution, and somebody was going to stand against all, even the body of Christ coming against them, somebody was willing to even, you know, just die for the cause of the Word, he was again devastated. And so he went back into his arsenal. He came up with one of the most subtle. I mean, it was the most probably. I, I, it is because I tell you what; it's his last dart. I showed this with a brother in the, in the back. There. You know, it's come time that he's gotten to his last dart. Did you know that? I'm going to share. I'm going to show it to you. He's come to his last dart. I mean, he's come to to, to his last dart. He has come up with the most subtle uh, weaponry. Let's say most subtle. And most highly sophisticated, deceiving dart against the Word of God. I think that's made known unto man today. But it's his last dart. You know the Bible says that the shield of faith shall quench every fire, uh, dart of the devil? Okay. People learned that the Word will protect them from all the torture. John was boiled so they sat in oil and could not die because he believed the Word and walked in love. And quenched that fiery dart right in the, of the devil with the word and the shield of faith. So he was defeated. He came up with this other thing to put the word away. And even though he you know was successful for a while in hiding it. Someone got a hold of the shield of faith. And applied the word of God. And put that fiery dart of the devil out where it belonged. And people began to again receive the light of God's word. And then when the doctrines and the creeds and all these things came in, and seemingly Satan again was successful. His program was just, you know, going, you know, upon the earth just as he pleased. He was walking in the authority that he did not really rightfully have. But he deceived man and attacked the Word of God, made it powerless and ineffective in the hearts of men. Well, somebody said, I am not going to be in submission to to someone's doctrine and someone's creed and someone's tradition and religious ideas. I have found that the Word of God is so. The Word of God is true. And I'm rebelling against the whole operation of this thing. And said, I'm going to take the Word for what it says come hell or high water against my life and I'm going to stand upon it. So Satan devised something his I believe most highly sophisticated piece of armory and equipment against the body of Christ, and it's called mental ascent. Mental ascent. See these people that say, I believe the word of God's true, but don't act on it. They're mental sinners. But I'm acting on the word of God, but it's not working. You're a mental ascenter. I'll just tell them that, yeah, you know the word. You know the word. No sense in studying it today because you know it. You know what 1 Peter 2.24 says. No sense in studying it any further than that. You're all right, boy. Go ahead and play. with, Do your games and do what you want to do. Just don't put any time in the Word you've got. It. Now, you are really a spiritual giant. You can quote Matthew 8.17. That's right. Me study the Word all day long for what purpose? See? You fall under the category of the mental assenter. You think just because you have the knowledge of it that you're walking in the light of it. Well, you're not. Mental assent is the highest uh, way Satan is coming at the believer to destroy the Word and making it in, make it ineffective in their life. But listen to me. Satan has come to his last dart. His last dart can be quenched in your life. If you will only recognize and know that mental assent does not make prayer work. Mentally agreeing does not make prayer work. Heart, faith makes prayer work. Mental assent. You saying that you believe the Word is true? Here's a mental assenter. I believe the Word is true. I know the Word is true. I believe it from Genesis to Revelation. I can quote it to you. I love the Word. I'm a talker about the Word. Uh, I'm a lover of that Word. Well, His words are fine so far. He's a hearer of the Word, but He lacks one thing. He is not an actor or a doer of that Word. So he stays in the realm of Millicent, where Satan's fiery dart is destroying his life. His words, you know, may entertain men, but his words will never reach heaven. You may pray elaborately. You may have the finest prayer language. You may be able to pray fluently, intellectually, and just pray seemingly until, you know, Jesus comes. But your words, although they entertain men, they do not reach the throne of God where they're answered. And you thought that, I, you know, real Mr. Spiritual, but you did not know that just knowing the Word is not enough. Knowledge is not enough. You've got to understand this. Knowledge of the Word is not enough. It takes the Spirit of the living God, taking the Word of God, quickening the Word of God, making the Word a, a vital reality in the Spirit, making it an integral part of the human spirit so that it flows through your bloodline. It flows through your blood into such a way that you begin to correspond with that word Spirit soul and body. You have followed the instruction. You are eating the Word day in and day out. You are meditating the Word by day and by night. The Word of God has taken you inside and outside. It is enveloping you. It's just living in you. It's prevailing in you. It's gaining the ascendancy over your senses. And the Word has become alive and living thing inside your spirit. You join forces with the Almighty God. And when the fiery dart of Satan, the last one, mind you, comes at you mentally comes your way, you stand there and put up that big shield of faith and you quench that thing in Jesus' mighty name, and Satan stands there bare. Nothing left. There's nothing else. You have arrived. That's his last dart. I said, That's his last dart. That tells me that we can know for sure that Jesus is on his way. Because the enemy lost his last dart. No more bags, bag of tricks. No more tricks up his sleeve. He can go no further than mental, you know, mental ascent. In other words, his weaponry is empty. Everything is gone. Once you get to a place that you're no longer mentally ascending to the word of God, beloved, you enter to a place of rest in faith. Quench every dart. Tradition, religion. Not reading the Bible, putting it away from you. Doctrines and all these things. And put away finally mental assent from you. By taking the advice given to Joshua. Meditating the word. This is before you ever pray. I mean before your word ever says, Father in the name of Jesus. I ask you, don't do it until you have made that word a living reality inside you. And Satan has no way of destroying the word that was planted in your heart. He's defenseless. Do you see what I'm saying? Now you now you plant the seed. Now you speak the word, ask the Father, and when he comes along with his little you know not even darts anymore. <laughs> with his nothing. Let's call him nothing. He's brought to not anyhow with his temptations of nothing, and uh, his ways of trying to frighten us, you know, like the lion with no teeth. He's He's trying to frighten you into getting off the word. You can stand there boldly and say, devil, I'm not mentally ascending to this word. I have taken it. I'm challenging you in Jesus' name. You try to remove me from the rock. And the winds blew and the storm came and beat vehemently against your house and you'll be standing there saying ha ha the devil because my house didn't fall and he looks around and he calls his associates together and he says what are we going to do with that one Satan says I've got no more darts for him and he says I've got to let it work hallelujah glory be to God The reason why I said that's the most important because that's where the battle's won. Don't try to win it out there when he's got an arsenal and you're just back here on sandy soil building a foundation that's just on sand. Don't do it. Without a foundation you're just on sand. But wait until you you thoroughly build your foundation on the rock and then let your house stand against the and let him come. I mean, you know he's coming, right? So be prepared. Now you're prepared and when he comes, you can laugh right in his face and quench his last fiery dart of mental ascent and then you're walking in the faith of God. Well, we're going to have to close it right there. I wanted to get the rest of these steps, but let's just... Say this concerning mental ascent. Mental ascent is Satan's substitute for faith. Mental ascent is Satan's substitute for faith. But you'll notice that each step that he took was becoming more and more highly developed. See, he was learning also how to deal with this thing called the Word. And he changed his strategy as, you know, he saw that he was being defeated. But as I said, His last effort is mental ascent. And when you as a believer grow out of mental ascent and the Word becomes a living reality in your life, He can't affect you. Thank you for listening to our Legacy Teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. and experience. God bless.